Scott McLaughlin joins us now from Odyssey, the Skate Pod, and WEEI Radio. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So when they have, I know every time the Bruins win a Stanley Cup, they have the duck boats. Do they do they have to buy new ones each time, or do they just keep you know reconditioning them every summer to make sure they're ready just in case? No, they, they just uh, keep them in rotation because those are actually, uh, when they're not used for parades, they're used for tours around the city. Nice. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, very it's a very popular uh, tourist attraction um, for people visiting. So um, let's start with the injury. Hampus Lindholm uh, not on the ice for the AM skate. The Bruins have a few. Uh, you know, some some of the left side of defense, you know, has been is- issue for this year. Uh, Lindholm, I mean, it's not like he is for sure not playing, but that would be a pretty big loss. Yeah, and I think actually just a couple minutes ago, uh, Jim Montgomery told reporters there that Lindholm is considered week to week. Oh. No, no surgery needed, so... You know, not not ideal, obviously, but could have been worse if we were talking about something season-ending. The the and because I'm a Bruins fan, so I've been sitting on this since it seemed like Noah Hannafin wasn't going to sign in Calgary. It just seems so obvious to me that Hannafin belongs in Boston, and yet I hear Tampa Bay as being a team that's going to you know try for him. I understand where Boston is in terms of cap and in terms of assets or whatever, but he just seems like a perfect fit there. Maybe they'll sign him in free agency, but what do you think about the idea of Hannafin in Boston if it becomes necessary due to injury? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of people here who think that makes a lot of sense as well, obviously with uh, you know him being from the Boston area, going to Boston College. Um, they've been linked to him for years, even going back to his draft year. That was the... It was the other Bruins had the three first round picks, and the the reports at the time are that they were trying to trade up and, and targeting Hannafin in the top ten. Had they been able to get there, um, so yeah, it, it does make sense. the The problem for the Bruins is, as he alluded to, they have so few assets. They only have one pick in the first two rounds of the next two drafts. They have a pretty shallow prospect pool. Uh, they have no cap space, so making trying to make that trade happen in season is going to be tough, you know, not impossible where there's a will there's there's always a way somehow, but it would be really difficult for them. So it probably would make more sense to look at him as a possibly an off season target uh, if he gets to free agency. Um, But yeah, in the meantime, you know, if he ends up with the lightning, that's going to, you know, that could come back to hurt the Bruins for sure. Um, Obviously they have a, a glaring need there with Mikhail Sergachev done for the year. Scott McLaughlin joining us from Odyssey, the skate pod and WEEI radio. Wanted to ask you about, I remember in 2020 when he was drafted, Mason Lowry, uh, 58th overall. I didn't know a lot about him. I know Boston, you know, does do a good job at the draft table. But based on what we're seeing and certainly what the coach is saying, looks like they've got themselves a, a pretty good young player here in Mason Lowry. Yeah, he was a, a little bit of a late bloomer developmentally. And, and part of that was because he didn't, switched to playing defense full-time until he was, I think, 16 years old. Um, so, yeah, he went he went undrafted. His first year is eligible. Uh, they found him in the second round. He had really outstanding uh, production in the USHL and then two really solid seasons at Ohio State and uh, has continued to develop. When he, when he first came up and made his NHL debut earlier this season, you, you could see the flashes offensively. Uh, with his skating, some of 
you know, for a guy his size, his hands are pretty impressive. Um, you also saw some of the shortcomings. He got beat in his own zone quite a few times, would misread plays on the rush. So you, you could see where he had to improve, and they'd send him back down to Providence. And by all accounts, he has continued to improve down there. He's had a good stretch uh, recently and now obviously gets the, the call back up with, with Lindholm injured, and he'll be in the lineup tonight. Scott, the, the the Bruins are like they're they're four four and two in their last ten, and but they're 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 plus thirty nine in goal differential. They have seventy seven points in fifty six games. I guess you know maybe Florida is is a concern, but really there's there's nothing to totally worry about uh, with this team. They they're good, and they're you know they're going to have expectations once the playoffs hit. But they're also a team that you could see looking to improve. What for you are the main areas of improvement today that that you, maybe you'd look for at the deadline in terms of procurement? Yeah, I think if they could shore up the left side of their defense, that is certainly one area. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, there's been a little bit of inconsistency there with guys like Matt Grizzlick uh, having a bit of an up-and-down year. Derek Forbert has battled injuries and, and been somewhat inconsistent even when he's been in there. So if they could find a way to upgrade that, obviously, you know, Windholm being back at some point will, will be big for them. Um, but I think you'd like a little more stability there. And then the other area is up, up front, it really feels like they could use another top nine forward. And going into the season, you would have said center was a need. And I, I'm not sure. I think it could be a center or a wing at this point. Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka have, done a more than admirable admirable job. Morgan Geeky has been a solid third-line center. So if the if the prices are cheaper on the wing, I could see that. But they've uh, Jim Montgomery's been playing a little bit of a game of uh, whack-a-mole with his lineup decisions where he'll, he'll move a guy around to get one line going, and then it kind of creates a hole somewhere else, and another line goes quiet. And, you know, if you, if you look at their lineup tonight, it looks like they're going to have Anthony Richard on the third line, and – you know he's he's an all effort player and and he works hard and you have to give him credit, but you know he's not really an ideal third liner on a, on a team that's trying to make a run for it. I, interesting that you say that. Uh, Sports fourteen forty. This is the lowdown with low tide, and uh, we're joined by Scott McLaughlin from Odyssey, the Skate Pod, and WEEI Radio. Because I in in cause sort of. Breaking down the Bruins, I noticed that they do have a tendency to to run a, a, a line or an individual, a winger, for a time. And then if he cools off, they, they plot in somebody else. Uh, there was a period of time from late December through mid-January that it looked to me like Jake DeBrusque, I think he had 14 points and eight goals in 14 games. Looked like he was on a bit of a tear there. Quiet, quietened down since then, but his goal share is good. Seems to be you know on lines that are, that are uh, playing responsibly. What? Where is DeBrusque right now? He's a local boy here, so we always ask about him. How is DeBrusque playing, and uh, do you see him as being a big part, possibly of the future, obviously needing to be re-signed? Yeah, he's he's in a really interesting spot. Obviously, it's you know not a good time for another slump offensively to hit. He's he's now gone nine games without a point, and I think I think he would like to get an extension done uh, before the trade deadline, just to kind of have that peace of mind. But if you're the Bruins, you got to decide, you know, he, he's always been a bit of a streaky player. And usually you still come out on the plus side when it's all said and done. But 
these these down swings can be, you know, they can be a little frustrating to deal with. Uh, the one thing, uh, you know, as you mentioned with his goal share, is he has over the last couple of years really improved his two way game and his defensive play, and that's that's given his game a floor that wasn't there before. So you know, he's at least not going to make mistakes. He's not going to actively hurt you, but the Bruins do need him to score. And uh, you're right. There was a stretch where it looked like he had turned the corner and had gotten going. And now it's kind of swung back the other way that there was some bad luck involved. He, he went through a stretch where I think four or five games straight, he had like three or four shots on goal. Every game he was getting chances and they weren't going in. And then uh, a little quieter, his last game against Dallas. But yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting spot for him and the Bruins heading to the trade deadline and, you know, deciding if, uh, you know, are they going to sign to an extension? Are they going to take it to the off season? Do they even consider trading them if they have their eyes on, you know, potential upgrades somewhere else? Um, it's it's going to be really interesting to see. So final question, and this is always my favorite part of sports because, especially this one, because of, of how far back Justin Brazo came from. He gets into the National Hockey League, scores a goal, has a big game. Clearly, uh, you know, he's going to be a, a, you know, a favorite of the fans because, you know, he, he just is a guy who his backstory is so strong. Uh, I love this. Uh, what do you think of Justin Brasso so far? Yeah, the, the, he's kind of exactly what the Bruins have needed, and he, he was right under their nose the whole time playing on an AHL contract in Providence, but... They, the Bruins have had a, a smaller fourth line much of the season. They've really been trying to find some sort of identity there. I think they always wanted more size if they could find it. And uh, they give Brazo a chance. He's he's had a strong season in the AHL. And he comes up and, like you said, scores his first game. He, he almost had a second. Uh, he had a, a great wraparound attempt. And it looked like he had Jake Onger beat. And Onger made a great save stretching out his leg to the post. Um but yeah, he, he gets to the net front. He gets to those dirty areas. The the question, you know, as this continues on, is going to be: Is his skating good enough to to keep pace at the NHL level? That's always been the question with his game. So, um, but it is something he's worked on. He lost, I think, like twenty pounds uh, this past off season to try to get a little lighter on his feet. So uh, we'll see. But you're right; it is a great story. A kid who. You know, went undrafted. He spent three seasons bouncing between the AHL and the ECHL. And uh, last year was the first time he even spent a full season at the AHL level. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. There you go. Scott McLaughlin from Odyssey, the Skate Pod, and WEEI Radio.